Welcome to episode 94 of the Around the Crease podcast, the show that brings you highlights and news from boys' high school across around the country. I'm Mike Loveday, founder of LaxRecords.com. This week I'm talking with a pair of class of 2020 players about their experiences as men of color playing lacrosse. First up is Carter Henry from McCallie School in Tennessee, who is headed to Yale this fall. Second part of the interview is going to be with Wilson Perez Vasquez of Immokalee in Florida. Perez Vasquez is heading to Wheeling in just a few weeks. So without further ado, let's get into this week's show. All right, I'm here with Carter Henry. He is a class of 2020 midfielder, um, played at McCallie School in Tennessee. Um, Carter, thank you for being on this week's podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so, you know, the, the primary goal of today's podcast will be basically to talk about race and lacrosse and specifically your experience. Um, but before we kind of get started with that, why don't you kind of fill people in on like who you are? Like, how did you get started with lacrosse? Like what age, where did you originally play? That sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm from like Marietta, Georgia, which is 20 ish minutes from the city of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, and like growing up, uh, like my, 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 I have a big sister. She played soccer at Auburn. Um, so like growing up, I played soccer. Um, I played football. You know, I played like the usual American sports. Um, and I think it was around fourth or around fourth grade. Um, my, my, my middle school had like a feeder team, the high school for lacrosse. They just started um, when I went into fourth grade. And a couple of our friends were trying it out, and I just thought I should try it out too, just to spend more time with my friends. Um, and it, it was, it caught my interest because, like, football and soccer and everything, like, I, I was naturally good at because I was athletic. Mm -hmm. um, but lacrosse, the first time I, I played it, I was completely terrible. I didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> um, and, and it really caught my interest just because, like, it was nice to have something to to actually look forward to and to actually have to work at versus like just throwing on a pair of cleats and pull-up pads, just going out in there and just running around like I usually do when I'm in the backyard. Yeah. So when you said you were horrible at it, at, at what was there anything specific you were horrible at? Um, just just like catching and throwing part. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess between soccer and lacrosse, there's a little bit of difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that kind of starting out, like, what, what kept you going with, with, uh, with lacrosse specifically? Like, did you give up soccer and football after that, or did you, were you a multi-sport player for many years, or, like, what was that progression like? So, I – so, from, like, fourth or fifth grade to around um, maybe, like, seventh grade or so I, I still played um soccer a little bit um, but every year the soccer got less and less competitive um mm. and then in eighth grade i started playing like travel and i played fall ball um so i stopped playing soccer play lacrosse and i i think i started to play lacrosse more just because once i got good at it i, I realized that like it was a sport that really fit my body type, like I'm pretty tall. Uh, I, I was pretty fast for an eighth grader who had no weight training or anything like that. 
Yeah. Um, and it was just, it, it was a way to sort of express myself in a different way than like most kids express themselves in football or soccer. Um, it, it was also cool to sort of be like the only, only black kid, um, you know, I, I the tournaments or whatever and play well. And then people ask you like, I start asking you questions because like you're, you're one of the only kids that looks like you that's doing mm-hmm. the things that you're doing. Well, you, you mentioned being the only black kid at the thing. Was that, um, like, I guess, because you kind of la- discovered lacrosse early, was was that something you were aware of when you first started playing, that it was a predominantly, you know, white sport? Um, I mean, yes and no, because the first, for fourth grade up until, I want to say, eighth grade, um, my dad coached my uh, spring team. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and I also have an older brother that played with me too. Um, so it, it was, I guess, having um, my dad as a coach, it sort of made everyone else feel more like brothers just because my dad taught them the lessons that he taught me when I was like growing up. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like we had more of the same experiences on my uh, spring team than like on, on my summer team, of course. I definitely noticed it a little bit more, but it was still, um, like, I, I just, I didn't feel alienated, so yeah. it didn't feel weird to me, but it was definitely something I noticed, mm-hmm. um, but it, it definitely wasn't a negative experience for the most part. Right. When you say you noticed it, like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Um, I mean, it, it was just, like, stepping on the field, like, obviously from, I want to say, fourth grade to maybe, like, sixth or seventh grade, I, I was completely oblivious of, like, the fact that I, I really was the only black kid out there all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But then in eighth grade, like, summer, when I went up to tournaments, um, uh, I would, like, look, look across the other teams, and I think my my travel team, I'd, like, me and another black kid um, and a Hispanic kid, um, and then the other teams were, were completely white, and, and I was just looking around the teams. And I was like, dang, like, I thought that I would at least be someone else like me. So I, I think that's when I started to, to to realize that I was in a predominantly white sport. Yeah. And what, like, I, I asked, uh, I've asked a couple people this, but, you know, why do you think, like, lacrosse is, it seems to be predominantly white, at least at this point in time? Like, because when you think back, like, the, the history of our sport, is rooted in, in Native American, like it's yeah. not rooted in you know um, you know kind of upper class white prep schools, but you know that's what it's associated with, and I mean that seems to be a lot of where it, where it's played. But like, have you had any chance to think about it? Like, you know, why you think the, the sport is kind of the the demographic that it is? I will probably I'm probably going to go on a completely different um, angle than what most people say. I think it's a lot. Have to do with like economics and like your socioeconomic background, just because like if if this lacrosse and like playing lacrosse at a high level is a pretty expensive thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have like funding or whatever, then like your parents have to pay for it. And usually it's it's uh, white Americans have have bringing more income than minority Americans. So um, it, you're definitely going to see more white Americans and and those places just because they can afford it more than 
most African-American families or Hispanic families or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, how, do, how does that kind of make you feel? Um, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really, like, bother me just because, like, like, my family has never had a problem with, um, like, making it work or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. But it, I, I sort of like the challenge because, like, when I was growing up, um, yeah, I think in, when I really started to play lacrosse and, and look at it, it was, like, eighth grade, and that's when, like, Miles Jones was at Duke, and he was really putting on a show and everything. Um, and, and that was, like, a person I looked up to. So now, now I'm going into college, and I'm taking on, you know, I'm trying to, to become a Miles Jones for kids, you know, that were my age when, mm-hmm. when he was in college. Um, I, I, I sort of just continue to play the sport not only because I love it, but to show kids that you don't have to look like everyone else to play it. You don't have to look like everyone else to be great at it. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, and so one of the things I kind of wanted to ask is like, um, you know, when I was talking with I, the previous podcast, I talked with Coach Garland at uh, Detroit Country Day, and he had mentioned an experience, like it wasn't his experience um, on the field, but he had had a player um, where he was a coach, and the the player he said in every single conference game that player her you know someone called him the the n word, mm-hmm. um, and they didn't they didn't find out to the end of the season. Like, is that anything? I mean, you're playing at McCallie School, like you're from Georgia, you're playing at McCallie School in Tennessee. Like, is that anything that you've ever had to endure in your playing time? Um, yeah, but. Uh... So, I mean, a couple of times, um, I remember a kid calling me the N-word and I was playing, like, JV freshman year. Um, and then another time, uh, sophomore year in state championship game. And, like, bits and pieces, like, everywhere else. But I feel like my team handled it better because, like, mm-hmm. Coach Kemp, um, Coach McCauley, and he was a black coach, um, and we had – I think my sophomore year, we had like nine or ten African American kids on the team, which is like pretty unheard of for really any high school, mm-hmm. um, especially like one that then used to make it to the state championship level and stuff like that. Um, but so so having those players and having the coach, um, everyone felt like more of an ally. So when when we had situations where someone said something to us. Um, like even my white teammates were, were, you know, the first ones to say something to the ref or whatever, because uh, usually like just being a black kid, um, if like I go complain to a ref about something racial, he's probably not going to want to accept it because he's like, oh, well, kids don't do that, you know, because he's, he's right. probably not seen it. Um, but it was usually always my white teammates that went up and, and, you know, said something to the ref and told the ref, hey, watch out for, you know, my brothers or whatever, because, um, like, sometimes they, they got targeted or, or whatever it was. Yeah. I, I think it was just we had a better experience with those types of things because we had a coach that knew how to put people that didn't look like me in the same situation as me so they can understand it. Yeah. It was that something because I mean I've known Coach Kemp for for many years and I think I honestly I think I'm more of as a probably an educator and a leader mm-hmm. of men 
and maybe I do as a lacrosse player, just by the many conversations I've had with him. Is that something like he addressed with, with the team or is it like just I mean, kind of it, understood? Like I'm. Hmm. I mean, definitely from time to time, like we would have talks about like, like everyone just, just how to, cause, cause he has, um, the organization, I think it's called like the boys something, uh, where he like teaches boys and, and, um, all that stuff. So, so growing up, uh, like growing freshman to, I was a junior to left in my senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, we would always have talks about like how to present yourself, uh, as like a young man and doing things like that. And, and he never really made it about race, mm-hmm. but just, I think him just having this conversation of how to present yourself like a man, uh, race didn't make, race didn't really make a difference, even though it was very prevalent. Yeah. Um, and we didn't ignore it. Um, we we still, you know, had talks about about how to be an ally for your for your black teammates and doing whatever. But it, it sort of went unsaid just because everyone respected the things that Coach Kemp said. So we didn't have to put race into it. He would just be like, "Hey guys, we all we have to treat everyone this way," and then yeah. we'd all do it because we respect it. Yeah, I mean, I, from my experience with Coach Kemp, like he was very much lead by example um yeah. kind of person like he just kind of he, he was one of those people like i've always found like whenever he talks i'm just kind of find myself just kind of sitting back and listening because he always seems to have something you know he always is saying like whenever he opens his mouth he's got something you know, that you should be listening to um, yeah. so that's not surprising to hear he would have been a more lead by example person have the kind of players you know and obviously have the kind of players in his program that would probably be more receptive to that that sort of um conversation and mindset as well mm-hmm. um you know kind of thinking thinking back on because you mentioned a couple of things um overall like your experience and the kind of the racial makeup of your team versus other, other things like like what do you think um we can do and by that i mean probably like mostly like white people and white coaches like kind of help lacrosse become more more diverse like is there you know i'm a no is there anything that you kind of thought about that maybe like, is there a way to kind of broaden the population that has access to our sport? Um, I mean, I, I would say just like, if, if you're, you know, a club team or whatever, have some um, camps or clinics in like inner city areas or, or, or areas that just don't, um, you know, have, have lacrosse. Cause usually the places that don't have lacrosse are usually predominantly like, uh, minority areas mm-hmm. uh, so just just showing the kids that like hey this is a way if you're in a bad situation this is the way that you can get out of that situation you know if you really stick to the sport you can go play college wherever you want and do whatever you want with your life um, and I, I would also say like maybe inviting some kids some college teams you know and inviting some kids to some uh college games and just having them, you know, sit down and, like, talk to the players because I feel like the biggest thing for for kids, they need to have a role model. So, mm-hmm. if, if, like, me growing up, I had a role model like Miles Jones or Kyle Harrison um, or, like, the Bratton, you know, Bratton Brothers. Uh, and so when I had that, I was able to, to sort of see myself in that situation so I could be like, I need to do what they did to get there. So 
can this generation have some some you know young leaders or whatever that that can connect with with kids um, that don't have the sport and show them, hey, if you guys you know, I'll, I'll help you get in touch with the sport. I'll help you do certain things. Um, and if you just follow my lead, that you'll be fine. These yeah. things like that. Um, which I which I think that would probably be the best thing, just to make sure that the younger kids have role models and leaders that look like them. Yeah. I, I want to touch on that a little bit because I want to see, like, how important do you think it is to have someone, you know, you know, for a kid, you know, at whatever age they pick up a sport, to be able to, you know, look at a sport and see someone who looks like them and be able to relate to them in that way um, and, you know, eventually maybe picking picking up that sport. Like, yeah. how important do you think that is? I mean, to, to me, I think that's, that's super important just because, um, like, I'm, I'm a very, like, visual person. Mm-hmm. So, so if I can see someone that looks like me doing something, it gives me hope that I can do the same thing. Um, but, but I think it's also just, like, if you have someone that, was, that came from your area um, and, and went, went on to do great things, you're like, well, if they did this, then I should be able to do this um, because we came from the same area. Mm-hmm. Um, or or they look exactly like me, so I should be able to do it, you know, th- things like that. Yeah. Um, like like me personally, I think it was really important. I also think it was it was super important to have um, an older brother that played too, um, because like my, my brother, he was um, like under all American, all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and he he sort of showed me the, the ropes and all that stuff growing up, like. Uh, I knew I had about 12 months to do what he did to be in the position that he put himself in. Um, and I, I just had like a visual representation of how to get to where I want to be uh, because of him or, or mm-hmm. with the help of him and my dad and some other key, key players. Um, but uh, I would say it's, it's super important to have a role model just so you can have someone to to hope for and have something to hope for and have something to look up to. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, so, well, Carter, I, I cannot thank you again enough for, uh, for coming on and kind of sharing your experience. How'd you get started off with lacrosse? You know, um, kind of give us a little bit of your, your background, your, your age, what state and your heritage. Uh, to be honest, I just started lacrosse. Uh, I didn't even know about the sport till my freshman year because I was taking therapy for my back, so I couldn't do any of the heavy lifting for football since I was in football. So mm-hmm. that's basically how I came across. I had a friend that that was playing lacrosse. He was a freshman as well. And I just basically asked the coach if I could just uh, do the their conditioning to stay in shape for football. And then that's when the coach Rickard was the one that, and uh, he he was the one that introduced me to lacrosse and told me to give it a try, and I did. Yeah. So what was it about the sport that kind of kept, kept you playing? To be honest, it was just the like everyone. Like, I guess everyone everyone has a different opinion on it. But I guess it was just the like the rush of energy, like on like for Adley, I guess, because you know I think the first memory that I that I that I had and that that when the set everything the tone for it on how I liked it was basically just. Uh, you're selling the other, like your opponents, or or, give, or or knocking them down, or anything. To be honest. Yeah. 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 Um, so for people who don't know, I know I've talked to Coach Ricardo. He was on a, a podcast I think maybe a couple years ago now, um, and kind of talked about Immokalee and 
you know, kind of the, the makeup of the school. For people who, who aren't aware, can you kind of describe what Mockley is like? Mockley is just like a small town that's full of, like, uh, diverse of people like Mexicans, Guatemalans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Haitians, all in Tigon. It's not... Uh, there's rarely a, a, like a few whites. Like I know there's like a, I know a family that's basically like a white family. They're called the Blockers, but they like own like almost a bunch of the bunch of the like the house like the rents that many people stay in, and then they own like a bunch of stores as well. That's basically that. That's basically the the diversity in the in the town. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's pretty much what what Coach was saying, and he was saying like guess he kind of helped has helped really build the program and I know he's really worked hard at kind of you know helping um I guess expand where you guys play like I know you guys have done several spring break trips in kind of the northern part of the state or central part of the state to kind of see some of the other schools and stuff like that um so what, what has been your kind of experience as a, a person of color playing lacrosse it's different every year because every every year you have a, a whole new set of team like team players and everything and sometimes coaches mm-hmm. for it's it's different every year because like sometimes like with the year go like as the year goes by and you get older, you you had to slowly become like a, either a leader or follower or like a captain in the team. Like for example, I I wouldn't put myself as a, like a good captain or a good teammate. Well, like I had like as, as a like as a junior, like I'm a ju- I'm a basically a junior a junior senior, but I, uh, that's basically where I had to step up like to like you know kind of direct the, some of the younger players like the freshmen like what they had to do and what they had like what role they had to play in or what they could do as a freshman or it didn't matter what it didn't matter what age or what year you were in, you just basically had to step up and do something like and not and like lead the team. Was that a challenge for you to kind of make that mental shift as far as like just being a the player to kind of like more of a team leader? I guess it, it, I guess you can say it all came fast because like I'm basically I was basically transitioning from like so if I compare myself with like an actual senior, I was basically a sophomore like I was a soft I was a sophomore. And then there was a junior, so I'm basically, I was basically a junior, but I was I was filling in like a role for a senior, so that's what, I, that's what it, is. it was kind of everything was kind of more like in a rush, like like even like schoolwork it was more rushed, but like it was manageable. I was just like, I just didn't have like that full set like where I was like I had my full my full four years of experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, obviously you kind of got short shrift on the uh, the senior season this year as well, to say the least. So you guys got some games in, but not not many. Um, like uh, that, that's what I heard. Compared to some schools up north, like in New York, they they really didn't even have a season or something like that. Yeah, New York never even got started. Uh, most of the schools in Maryland never got started. Like a few of the MIAA schools played a few games, but um, not many. Like Pennsylvania didn't. So like so many states up in the uh, Mid Atlantic and North never got. Never even got started. Yes. Um, so, uh, what was it like, kind of, when you were you guys? Because I know, I think it was a couple years ago um, when I was talking with Coach Ricardo, like you guys, he was really trying to get you guys out of kind of South Florida and kind of get you guys some experience and play some the other teams in the state. What was that experience like? Because you mentioned the, the uh, demographic makeup of Immokalee, and obviously, it's it, lacrosse in general is generally made up of, you know, more, more white-dominated uh, sport. So what was your kind of experience when you guys got you were playing other teams, especially some of the better teams up in the central and north part of the state? Uh, it was it was very different because I know, like, compared to golf schools and everything, we're, like, we're not even on their level, but we still managed to, put, like, at least put a fight on or something like or, or show on. 
but it's different because, like, you know, compared to, like, a, a school that has, like, big sponsorships or, like, big support, like, it's different because, like, in Immokalee, basically how you said the whole team was filled with either, like, some Haitians, some, like, Mexicans, Hispanics, and, like, like Latino-wise, and there's, like, very, very few whites, so it was different compared when you get to when, as soon as you get to, like, another stadium and then they, like, you see the other team, they have, like, mainly, like, white white boys and all them stuff and like compared to like a whole like a whole colored team yeah and what what was that like for for you guys and what what was it like what was your kind of experience um playing against those guys now you don't have to call like any teams or anything like that specifically i guess it was just it's basically how it is how it's always been like like in like in any sport like either football lacrosse soccer anything it's always like we're like basically like the I guess you could say the underdogs or something like we're always like people that are like that are in different places like for example they like either Naples golf schools or like Estero or like other big schools or like small schools they always see us as like oh like we're got, we're playing this small town like like you know like full of Latinos or anything like they always see us like as that underdog type and and sometimes it was it was like for like us players it was always different because like we don't we don't we're like we don't always have that. Like, you know, like, for example, some, like, white boys, they have, like, since they were, like, little kids, they have that experience, and we only have some people basically picking up a stick for the first time, like, freshman year, like, for example, how I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, it's very, it's different, and it's, like, it's challenging, but you, it's manageable, like, to many players, and it's just, like, it's just a, it's, you just have to adapt to it. Yeah. Was it frustrating for anybody on the team, for you or for anybody to kind of, kind of, like, against that kind of, like, stereotype where, like, people might look at the makeup of the team and, kind of make a judgment based on, you know, the color of your guys' skin and your, your heritage? Uh, I don't think – I don't really think it matters, to be honest, in the market because, like, either – like, every corner you go, like, if you try to switch up from another sport to anything, you'd always have, like – like, like the you would always have blacks or or, Mexi- like, or Mexicans or Guatemalans on the team. So, like, even if you transition from a different – like, a different sport, like, it was basically, like, full with nothing but, but colored – like, colored teammates. So, like, it really didn't matter – or to anyone like you, you're basically adapting to it. Okay, all right. Um, you know, I I kind of put it on our, our list, and I'd asked a few other uh, coaches about as far as like what it could and players, um, why they think lacrosse is kind of so dominated by by white people, and you know what it could be more diverse. But I had talked to it with a coach the other day, and he was kind of talking about you know basically like access, like you know obviously lacrosse is it's not a cheap sport to play. Um, and the accessibility, but obviously Coach Ricard has kind of done, you know, I mean, you guys, like he told me, it's like it's not a, a wealthy area that you guys are from, and, you know, and he's yet made a program work down there. I mean, you guys have gotten, you know, been playing well and improved year after year. Like, why do you think it, it, he's been able to make it work down there? Uh, to, to be honest, I guess, like you said, it's his passion for the game and, like, how he, how he wants everyone to improve and, like, put themselves in a position, like, to not get them, that, that mindset of everyone around, like, oh, they're from Immokalee, they're this, like, they're game bangers, or they're, like, this and that, like, these and everything, like, that's basically the, man- the mentality that I think Coach Rickler wants to portray, portray to everyone else that not everyone from this town is basically like how you, like, you picture him or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I guess that's, that's basically how it, how many people see it. What do you mean by that? Like how many people see it? Like that the program, or how many people see like the the school, or like any kind yeah, that's basically yeah, that's what I meant. Like that's basically how like the out like the the viewers from like other places or other towns see basically Immokalee as they, like when either they're going up or they're coming to this town. Okay, 
Um, so, you know, obviously, I kind of want to, because I know you're heading to, to Wheeling, right? Uh, yes. So what was your recruiting experience like for that, too? Because I know, obviously, there's not as many opportunities in, like, football as, or in lacrosse as there are in, like, football. Well, kind of describe what was your recruiting experience like coming from a place? Uh, it was smooth. I, I know I had many, like, I had a couple of, of offers or, like, they wanted me to go up and, like, U campus and everything. And it was just, like, I, like, I, I, like, I never seen myself in a school that was, like, too big or, like, or, like, full with people. And that mm-hmm. basically, Wheeling was basically a, a, a good, a good fit because it was, like, it's not too big, but it's not too small. You feel me? Like, it's like a, it's like a decent site where you feel comfortable and, like, you feel comfortable with the classes you're taking, the people around you. Yeah. How do you do? You know how you got noticed? Like how you got on their radar? Uh, I have no idea on that. It was just a. It was just basic. It was just one day when uh, Coach Nick. Uh, I'm not familiar. I'm not sure if you know him, but it's just one day when he sent me a text and I replied to it, and that's where everything just came just came along. Oh wow! So you don't. He never never found out like if there was an event or a highlight reel, like how you actually kind of got, or if it was coach. Uh no I just I have no idea and I still haven't asked him on that but that's the, it was just one day when he just sent me a text and I I we just started talking from them I set up uh I applied for the school and that I just set up a time to go view campus and it, everything and it was it, it was this it was in January before just pandemic and everything so right. I was I was one of the few like one of the few te- uh, future teammates that I was able to go view the campus and everything. I really appreciate you you taking time out of your evening to to talk with me and kind of share your your experience uh, with the cross. So uh, good luck. Uh, I guess you'll be heading to Wheeling here in probably another like month or so. So uh, good luck with that, man. Looking forward to, to following your career in college. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Around the Crease podcast. Make sure to visit the website, laxrecords.com, where you can get even more news and stats on the top performers from around the nation. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd really appreciate the ratings on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it would really help us out. If you like this show, you also may want to consider making a tax-deductible donation. You know, I volunteer all my time to work on the site and this podcast, so it really is your donations is what help keeps the site free and open to everyone. And... 100% of your donations go to improving the website. Check out laxrecords.com donate for all the details. Again, that's laxrecords.com donate. Everybody, have a week.